Today we're going to get down and dirty and down to the nitty gritty once again as we encage it and get unusually practical about another one of the three consistent characteristics that we unearthed in episode number 11. That the most inspiring and influential people mentors in the world that I've ever met possessed and practiced. They were unparalleled planners. They were absolutely amazing planners. And you and I can learn to be and must be too. It's time, it's our time to stop flying by the seat of our pants. Welcome to the Uncommodified Podcast. Hey guys, thanks for joining me again today. I'm Tim Windsor and in this episode we're going to get down and dirty again and down to the nitty gritty about uncaging your ability to be an unparalleled planner. In the last episode, I said that people who are truly inspiring and influential to me were unparalleled planners, amazing planners. They scheduled time to plan, made a plan, communicated their plan, and worked their plan. But as I said, they clearly also understood the truth and the reality of what Winston Churchill noted when he said this. Listen to this. Plans are of little importance, but planning is essential. My truly inspiring and influential mentors were planners, great planners, but they were not, um, how can I describe it? They were not religiously rigid about their plans. They, they could adjust on the fly. They absolutely could do that, but they definitely, definitely did not fly by the seat of their pants. They planned extremely well. That, that's what they were great at, but they also were great at being flexible and they worked hard at being flexible because they knew that their original and initial plans were often, as Winston Churchill said, of little importance in the end. They understood that planning and then being flexible within your plans, that that planning and plans that Winston Churchill talked about is much better than deceiving yourself that doing no planning at all is somehow preferred. And that just proceeding by throwing caution to the wind and frankly just shit against the wall will get you where you want to go because it definitely will not. This is what they knew. They, they knew from experience that it is much better to throw some or, or maybe even all, if you had to, of your original plans out the window along the way to your predetermined preferred future than get you and others lost in the chaos and the confusion of a journey without a well-thought-out and executed plan and destination. So here's what I want to do. I, I want to help you uncage your ability to be an unparalleled planner, like my mentors were, by sharing with you some of the core ideas that I've used over the last 30 years in my training and my coaching with my clients to help them uncage the process and uncage the act of planning and the plans they craft to create a powerful and provocative portal to the future reality they wanted to see and shape. Now, let's do it. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty about all this right now. I want to share with you seven core ideas today that I believe will get you thinking a bit, or, or, or maybe even possibly a lot differently, and help you uncage yourself in such a way and your plans so that you and your plans will become more inspiring and more influential to yourself and to others. So let's start this journey. There's seven things that I want to share with you today as we get down to the nitty gritty about planning. Number one, when I 
train or when I consult or when I coach with my clients, one of the main things, one of the central things that I share with them is an idea that I came across and developed many, many years ago. And that is very simply put this, to be a great planner, to be a great executor, a great strategist, because they're all connected in some ways, we have to understand this. We need to create maps, not manifestos. When you think a map is something that you can use for guidance, uh, can help locate where you are and where you're going. A manifesto is just this, this edict or this, this treaty on a wall of all these ideas, and it's lifeless. To be a great planner, we have to create plans and strategies and execution that isn't dead thinking on the wall that people look at and gaze at, but more like a map that guides their way. Now, when I first developed this idea, I used the term maps, not manifesto. And at that time, I was really thinking of a paper map. Um, you know, back then when I first started this, there wasn't uh, Google and there wasn't uh, smartphones and there wasn't even computers that we could have a map on. My first computer, in fact, I think the whole hard drive was 20 megabytes. The, it, that was the, the totality of its hard drive. So we didn't have those kind of tools back then. But when I teach this idea today to leaders and talk to them about them. I talk about Google and why well, I like to call Mrs. Google. I don't know why, but I see Google as Mrs. Google to me. But really planning and strategy and execution is really very simple when you think of it like a map and not a manifesto, particularly if you think of it of a map on your smartphone. You put into Google Maps or Apple Maps if you use it or Waze or whatever you, you're going to use as your mapping program. You put in first a destination. You, you tell it where you want to go. That's the goal of your plan. All of your planning on that journey is striving to be at that destination. And let's just say, for example, that you have a goal to, to go to New York City. Maybe that's your destination. Now, depending on your device, it maybe auto-locates you or you have to tell it where you are. And when it discerns accurately and truthfully where you are, when you press go, it immediately gives you step-by-step -step directions and charts your course to your destination. Now, that's what great planning really is all about. It's a map, not just a manifesto, not just words on a piece of paper on a wall, but it is step-by-step -step instructions with a destination in mind and a starting point. Now, one of the things that I tell leaders when, when I talk about this, the really critical thing to understand is it's not enough as a planner, uh, as an unparalleled planner, a great planner, to know where you want to go. You have to honestly discern and understand where you are. Let me give you a quick example. If I want to go to New York City, but in fact, uh, I'm in Chicago right now. But if I lie to Google and say that I'm in, I don't know, I say that I'm in Miami, I'm going to get really shitty directions to New York City because I lied or didn't tell the truth or the app wasn't able to discern my present location. Planning and strategy is all about maps, not manifestos, but it's also about understanding the truth of where you are now where you want to go, and then charting that course, just like Mrs. Google does, of turn here, go up here, so many miles, so many kilometers, depending on the country you're in, turn left, turn right, get on this highway. And if your planning is that simple, people will be able to understand it, they'll be able to be guided by it, and they will be able to see where they're going along the way. So the first thing I tell leaders is, hey, 
Maps, not manifestos. Not just great words, not just platitudes, not just all this stuff on a piece of paper or on a wall, but a map, a clear map that gives step-by-step direction and guidance to the destination. That's the first thing I share. Second of all, planning and goal achievement is really easy. In fact, it's as easy as one, two, three. It's as easy as ready, set, go. Now, when I teach planning to leaders, go for me in this equation, ready, set, go, stands for something. G-O, go. Now, typically, when I talk to leaders, they immediately say, well, I know what the G-O stands for. It's goals and objectives. And I say, well, that's, it is a, that is G-O, that's go. But that's not my go. It's not my starting point. The go for me is goals and obstacles. Now, this might seem strange, but in planning, I believe sometimes we get so mystified, we get so caught up in the positiveness that we want to project of the journey and where we want to go and how exciting it's going to be to motivate people that we forget to identify not just our goals, where we want to go, but our obstacles that will get in our way. Great planners, unparalleled planners in my experience with them, were comfortable and confident enough in the process of planning and goal setting to not only identify positive goals they wanted to achieve along the way, but they identified difficult, problematic obstacles that would get in their way or possibly could. And what they did then when they did that is they actually baked in the solution or the overcoming of those obstacles right into their plan. It's brewing it when you think about it. Think about it this way. This is the analogy I use when I describe this to leaders. Let's think that you're standing on a basketball court and you're under your net and your goal is to go and slam dunk the ball at the other uh, net. Now, I'm not going to be able to slam dunk because I'm not tall enough, but that's a great lofty goal. Now, if I envision that the game I'm playing, there's no one else on that court or no obstacles, I'm going to set my path and my plan is going to take me from one basket directly through center court right to the other basket. The problem is, if along my journey, um, I'm going to encounter obstacles, like if I took a bunch of fixed obstacles and put it on the court, a bunch of chairs, let's say, or tables, and I put them on the court, you would be a fool to just go say, my plan is to dunk this basketball and I'm going to go straight to the net. Because if there's something in your way and you see it, you either have to make a choice to set it aside in advance, or you have to plan your way around it. Here's what I've noticed about the greatest planners and executors I've ever met, is they identify in advance the obstacles to achieving their plans and goals. They either set them aside in advance, or if they can't, they plan around them, and they bake that right into their plan from the very beginning. And another positive outcome of this is that people expect and anticipate those obstacles in advance and they're not blindsided by it. So if you want to be a great planner, a great executor, don't just identify goals, identify obstacles, and then set them aside. Ready, set, go. G-O, goals and obstacles. Thirdly, here's something else I share with leaders. Like Santa Claus, what's on your list matters. Lists are very important to Santa Claus. I remember this when I was a child, you know, if you were naughty or nice, it had a lot to do with whether you're going to check that list and you were going to get what was on it. Now, I'm not talking about being naughty and nice, but what I want to say to you is, hey, like Santa Claus, lists matter as a planner. They matter a lot. But here's the question. What kind of list are you using to inform your plan and strategy? And what are you using to be strategic and to figure out your priorities in your plan? Now, I want to share 
I want to share a quick idea from a book that I mentioned before called The One Thing. It's a great book. The One Thing book has an idea in it, and it's a very great idea. It's a crafty idea, and if you've never read the book, you should get it. And this is the idea. They talk about going from having a task list, just a list of tasks, again, I think in your plan, a list of things that you have to do in your plan, to creating what they call a success list. And prioritizing, understanding what is the key priority, our priorities that have to be worked on so that your plan can be achieved in an effective way. Here's the simple truth that they give you, the simple idea. They say, if you want to take a task list, a crap load of things that you got to do in your plan, and you want to cull it out and create a success list, it's really quite simple. You do it by asking a question. And the question that they have in the book, the model, is phenomenal. It's really this simple. It's the one thing question. It sounds like this. If you look down that list of things that you have to do in your plan and you want to prioritize and get the things onto a success list that are going to really catalyze your ability to make your plan effective and achievable, you ask this question. What's the one thing on this list? Such by doing it, not just by thinking about it, such by doing it, will make everything else on this list either easier or unnecessary? It's a great question. Let me give it to you again. What's the one thing on this list? What's the one thing, such by doing it, not not by thinking about it, but by doing it, will make everything else on that list, all the other things, easier or unnecessary? It's a great idea, and it's in that book called The One Thing. You got to get that book if you don't have it. It's a great book, and this is just one of the ideas in it. For a planner, great idea. It's all about prioritizing. It's all about understanding that, you know, great planners get all their ducks in a row. They get all their dominoes set up in a row so that they can just topple the first and they get an effect. Their plan executes, but they get leverage as they go. This is a a leverage question. And sometimes what's happening in, in your plans is you've got all of these tasks or things that have to be done in the execution of your plan, but you haven't culled them out. And so all you have is a series of tasks and things that have to get done, but you really haven't prioritized them. Or you've prioritized them in a way that isn't giving you leverage. If you prioritize this way with this question, what's the one thing such by doing it will make everything else on this list easier or unnecessary? It now becomes a success list and not just a task list. It's a great idea. It's all about getting your ducks and dominoes in a row strategically so that you can get the leverage that comes from effective prioritization and planning, and focus on the things that are highly leveraged activities. Great little idea. I want you to think about it. Now, number four. Here's what I say to leaders when I talk to them about planning. And this is how I put it. You need to know what's in your backpack and in your back pocket. You need to know what's in your backpack and your back pocket. What I really mean about this is really simple. You need to check your supplies before you set out on your journey. When, when you go on a journey, when you're going to go backpacking or you're going to go hiking and you're going to take a journey for several days or camping, you check and make sure you've got all the resources that you need, particularly if you're going to be in the wild, you're not going to have uh, all of the conveniences of home. You want to make sure you're resourced and packed for the journey. Planning and planning execution is like this. You need to know before you set out what's in your backpack and what's in your back pocket. What resources can you enlist and deploy and engage in your plan and in its execution? And so I encourage leaders to do something very simple. I developed this idea many years ago, and that is this. I get them to do, as part of their planning process, what I call a strategic resource inventory. Really simple idea, not rocket science, but it's been so helpful for me and many others over the years. And that is, you know, take a piece of paper or take your iPad or whatever and draw a line right down the middle. And on one side, I write strategic 
resource inventory, and I put people. And then on the other side, I put strategic resource inventory. And on that, we say resources, like time, energy, money, budgets, whatever it is, organizational resources. People, organizational resources, time, energy, money, I like to keep them separate. And then what I get leaders to do in the process of planning is ask, what is available? What are the resources that are available to them in these columns? So people, what people are going to be resources in your plan and identify all of them. Who's going to need to be engaged and enlisted is the term I use. Who needs to be engaged with your plan and enlisted in its execution? And I get them to go down and look at all the people that are available to them. And I ask, how do you bake the effective use of these people into your plan and into your execution. And then I get them to do the same thing with resources, organizational resources, human resources uh, on that people side, but organizational resources like time, energy, money, budgets, whatever it might be, systems. And I get them to catalog or, or do an inventory of the resources of all of those resources that will be available. And then what I ask them is to create a plan that will fully utilize these resources. This is what's in your backpack. The problem is if you don't do this, you end up planning that you're going to use something to execute in your plan that isn't available, a person or a resource or a budget or a time allocation, and your plan is destined to failure because you are not resourced for that. Secondly, what it does is it unlocks your understanding and identification and usefulness of those resources. What I mean by that is, is that I would then go down that list and look at all the people identified, look at all the other resources and ask myself, do I have these people, do I have these resources or enough of them engaged in my plan and enlisted to help me so that I can be successful? And then I ask them this very question, particularly on the people side, which are the main people that you need to buy into your plan and help you execute it? And how engaged are they? Are you leveraging them well? Do you have enough equity with them? Do you have enough of their attention to this plan? And to think strategically in advance, because maybe part of your plan has to be the acquisition of more resources, possibly human and otherwise, or your plan has to involve a strategy and an execution around getting people's attention and engagement listed in your plan. You can't assume that everything is ready to go and willing to go. And so this is a very simple idea. You got to know what's in your backpack. You got to know what's in your back pocket before you leave home to set on your journey. What are your strategic resources are available? Do a strategic inventory of them and make sure they're catalyzed and that they're committed to your plan execution. Fifthly, here's something else I mentioned to leaders. Really, again, simple ideas, but they've been so helpful to me and others over the years. Time and space. And this is where the rubber meets the road. Real simple, schedule time and make the space in your calendar and in others to execute your plan. You can't just count on time materializing out of the ether and finding you because it won't. And really important, you notice I say schedule time and make space. I don't say make time because you can't make any more time. You can schedule time and you can make the space and you make space in your calendar and in the schedule of others when it hits Outlook, when it hits your calendar, when it hits Google Calendar, when it shows up as a meeting invite, when it's, when it's blocked. And I believe very powerfully in this very simple idea of time blocking. And that is this, when you're looking at planning and executing, we must 
time block into our schedule and the schedule of others, the execution of the strategic deliverables of the plan. If they don't find themselves in people's schedules, scheduled in time and made space for, they just don't happen. Now, if something comes up along the way and you don't get to something or something gets derailed, that's okay. But if you've got that time block in your calendar and theirs, you can move it. You can change it. And beyond Outlook, there's great planning tools and scheduling tools. But we need to get our strategic, executable pieces of our plan in time and space. Particularly, we need to get those things on our success list. You know, those one things, such by doing it, not just by thinking about it, will make everything else easier, unnecessary, and making our plan work. We've got to get them scheduled. Schedule time, make space. Real simple idea, but so many plans fall apart because of this. And the great unparalleled planners that I've worked with, they were relentless, religious, and like dogs on a bone when it came to making sure things were scheduled and ready to go so that they could rock and roll their plans. Really, really important. Number six, you need to unleash what I call the power of seven. And uh, here's what I mean by this. The power of seven is a planning idea, a model that I came up with a number of years ago. I now call it Fervesco E7. Now, Fervesco is my company, Fervesco E7, just real simple, seven E's. So I call it the Fervesco E7 planning and playing model. If you want to plan and play well, execute well, there are seven E's that make this simple. Really simple. Enlist, envision, engage, embark, execute, evolve, and experience. Let me go through them again and I'll explain them quickly. Enlist, envision, engage, embark, execute, evolve, experience. Great planners, great plans start with enlisting others to partner with you. Most plans cannot be fully executed by yourself. It starts with enlisting others around you in your plan and in your vision within the planning process. Enlist, it starts there. Second of all, when you enlist these people, the second thing you do, need to do with them is envision. You need to begin to look at the future. What's your goal of your plan? Where do you want to go? Do you want to go to New York? Do you want to go to Miami? Do you want to become the number one player in this market? Do you want to start a new product? What do you envision as the outcome that your plan produces? Enlist people, envision the future, and paint a powerful, positive picture of it so they can taste it, smell it, and see it enough to want it. Thirdly, the 30 engage. Now, once you've got something envisioned, now you've got to engage people to want to get it and desire it. Engage them, not just in the process of the plan and the hard work, but engage them in envisioning it and then engage them in creating the plan together that you'll walk out together, that you'll embark on, the next E. Enlist, envision, engage, embark. Get going on your journey. Embark on your journey. Get on your way. And then you start to execute the next D. You embark and then you execute. And as you execute, as Winston Churchill said, you know, sometimes, you know, you got to understand that plans are a little importance. Planning is essential, but plans are of little importance sometimes. Because when you're executing, you got to evolve. You got to change. You got to react. You got you to change your, your plan and your strategy along the way. And lastly, experience the outcome. That's where you get to the end of your plan. Enlist, envision, engage, embark, execute, evolve, experience. It's what I call that power of seven, the E7 planning and playing model. Try it out. It's real simple. It's not rocket science, but it'll help you guide yourself to success.
And lastly, number seven, really, really critical. Listen to this. Show and sell. This is one of the things that these powerful, amazing planners, these unparalleled planners were absolutely terrific at. They understood the power of show and sell, not show and tell. Show and sell, not show and tell. They didn't just tell people things. They didn't just tell people the plan. They sold them the plan, showed them the plan, and they sold them the plan. Show and sell. And it set them up for greater success because they sold their goal to people. And that's when people began to buy in. We use that term, you know, sometimes people didn't get on board with my plan. They didn't buy in. That's a transactional term. They didn't buy in. Maybe you didn't sell well. The key of being an amazing, unparalleled planner isn't having a plan. It is showing and selling your plan to others. And that is one of the primary mandates of leaders in the planning process, not just to have a great plan, not just to tell me about it, but to show me this plan and how it will be good for me and good for the organization. You got to show and sell so that they'll buy in and want to get on board with your plan. If you want to be an unparalleled planner, you have to be a world-class sales professional. You're not selling a product or you're not selling a service. You're selling an idea. You're selling your plan and the hard work that it's going to require to get there. That is what great unparalleled planners do. If you want to do anything better as a planner, learn to show and sell. It'll make all the difference. Now, here's the bottom line on all this, the nitty-gritty about unparalleled planners. They love to get things in order. They love to get them lined up in a row. They get all their shit together, and they get their ducks and their dominoes in a row by asking that great one-thing question. They know where they want to go. They create a plan to get there, and they meticulously, meticulously set up their ducks and dominoes in priority order, again, by asking that great question. They get their ducks and dominoes in priority order, and then they take their little finger, and they topple that first priority duck or domino, and then they unleash the cascading and predictable power of their plan. So, now it's your turn. Now, now it's your time. Set your inner planner free. Schedule time to plan. Make a plan. Work your plan. And sell your plan. It's time to get your shit together and your ducks and dominoes in a row. It's time to bring the future into the present so you can do something about it right now with your people. And it's time to inspire and influence others to see and understand your plan and then fight and win the battles and win the wars and the day with them. Thanks for listening in today. If you have not subscribed to the Uncommodified podcast yet, do it today. Do it right now. And please rate and review the show on whatever platform you listen on. That would be so helpful to help us spread the word. Now it's time for you to own what you heard today and get it out of your head and activate it in your life. And when you do, email me at tim at theuncommodified.com and connect with me on social media and tell me how you are uncommodifying yourself and standing out for all the right reasons in a very crowded world.